This is the Prairie Prophets Podcast with host Brandon Butler. A wonderful aspect of Horizon 2 is where it takes place. Northern Missouri and Iowa is some of the most beautiful rural landscapes in all of America. And we're fortunate to live and work amongst them. Today, we're going to be joined by Kyle Carroll, who is the presiding commissioner of DeKalb County in North Missouri. Kyle, welcome to Prairie Profits. Hey, good to talk to you. Can you first let us know what the role of presiding commissioner entails? Yeah, sure. In, uh, in Missouri, where we have county governments, we ha- you always have three commissioners. And so uh, usually an east and a west, something like that, and then a presiding. And basically, the, all three of those have similar duties. In my case, when, if you're a presiding commissioner, then you also have responsibility for the jail or housing of prisoners in that county. So if you have a jail board or, or something like that, you're, you're also on that. So uh, it's basically a, an equal position with the other commissioners with a little bit of added responsibility. I did not know that. But now I understand that that role fits you because your career has been in law enforcement. Tell people a little bit about what you've done. Yeah, I had 34 years of law enforcement in Missouri, actually. Uh, started out of college. I, I actually went to school, started as an art major, and then pretty quickly switched over to law enforcement, criminal justice degree, so that I could take a stab at becoming a, a game warden. I had my sights set on either Wyoming or Missouri. And Missouri, their process actually started sooner than Wyoming's. And back in those days, I was offered a job here before the testing ever started in Wyoming. So you really couldn't turn that down. And I'm glad I did. And I had a great, great career in Missouri, about 27 years as an agent. And then uh, late in my career, switched over, uh, went through the Highway Patrol Academy and, and finished out the remainder of my 34 years with the Highway Patrol. So I saw two sides of two pretty major agencies in, in the state and, and how that worked and how they work closely with county governments. And you just mentioned you were an art major. Anyone looking for a wonderful original painting, which I have my heart set on getting one someday. <laughs> Kyle's an amazing artist, uh, does a lot of Western art, a lot of mountain man uh, depictions. Talk about your art and you know, your love yeah. of your love of the landscape. I've always enjoyed uh, history and wildlife and, and American history. Combining those two kind of worked out for me in art. And uh, I, I think originally, I know in uh, like eighth grade or so, we did a field trip, went to the, down to the Capitol. And, and at that time, the conservation department's headquarters were brand new. And I remember walking around the outside catwalk of that and seeing Charlie Schwartz there working on some art inside. And that, man, that's just that's what I wanted to do, you know, and I learned to draw kind of using Charlie's great pen and ink drawings as, as, uh, examples. And so I've always kind of, it just always done it started, like I said, at college as an art major, I just didn't know how to, how to work that as a career. I just didn't have a good uh, mentor at the time. And like I said, I switched over so that I, I could, uh, concentrate on getting in the law enforcement side of things, but I never really quit painting and drawing. And so probably about, oh, in the 90s, like in the middle 90s, I was fortunate to meet uh, 
uh, David Wright's a great, one of the premier wildlife artists or, or Western artists in the country. And uh, he was, a, he was just a great mentor and became a great friend. And you know how that is where you, in your line of work, where you meet somebody and you have a little bit of a guide or mentor to help you along, all along the way, it just makes all the difference. So I actually kind of put my toe in the water about the middle 90s, and, and I've been doing it fairly seriously ever since, even though I, I, I was always, uh, you know, I couldn't do it full time till I retired. So that's kind of the, the story of it. Well, you've been following Raceline Alternative Energy for a number yes. of years now. I know you've, mm-hmm. you've really helped in bringing local legislators to events that we've hosted to try to educate them about what we're doing in North Missouri and, and, and Iowa. In your opinion, how has the company done as far as raising awareness of the importance of prairie and, and cover crops and, and you know, other aspects of landscape management on the path to renewable energy in DeKalb County and, and beyond? Well, I think, uh, I think they're, they're doing a great job. And I think the, the story, it's just a matter of time, you know, before word of mouth gets like any other change or kind of sea change in the way things are done and on the landscape, it takes time. But I know thinking back to this past year, when we had, uh, you over for our Northwest commissioners meeting, Traditionally, you know, you have a speaker there that it's probably going to be like finance or it's going to be maybe construction. All counties have one of your main priorities or responsibilities is roads. And so usually has something to do with that. But all of our economies and all of our counties really are anchored in agriculture. And all of us have seen similar things in the past years in that slow kind of drift where populations migrating out to to bigger towns where the farms become bigger you have less individual farms and and none of that's really good for our rural counties and so it was really well received had some great comments afterwards and i just think it's one of those things that it's a matter of just keep just keep nose to the grindstone and and it'll it'll pick up steam and to, to me, anyway, I, I, I see that it's, it's uh, on a positive role. Unless you're visiting one of these rural counties or a small town in one of these rural counties and you happen to pick up the newspaper, chances are you're not getting much media coverage of what's going on in north central Missouri, in DeKalb County, if you live in Kansas City or St. Louis or Des Moines. Everybody where you live, Kyle, just kind of goes about their business and you know, puts the nose to the grindstone, as you said, but there's so much potential in the area for economic development. We hear about the plight of our urban cities, but we don't hear about the struggles going on in rural America too often. Can you talk about the importance of economic development in DeKalb County and similar counties around you? Yeah, I think it's 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 always important because things constantly change you know i i've seen it from the kind of perspective now from i came i grew up in caldwell county which is not far away another north missouri county but i came here in 1980 so i've seen it from 80 until now so that that's a you know that's a fairly good span of time and i came here right what would be called during the farm crisis of you know the late 70s and early 80s where you had the high high interest rates and and uh, tough, tough time, then it, 
things just sort of like you say they go on they, they they're not in the front page of the newspaper the people adapt and make changes and go on so what would happen is maybe you know the wives would work in town to keep the small farm going or something like that um, the lifestyle's still here but it's 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 harder and harder because of small margins and uh, what what I see is just some of these operations become bigger and bigger the changes or the opportunities that are there with with what Raceline is doing is is I think something that's really really should be embraced or looked at because it's it, it's the opportunity it, 70% of this county at least was prairie at one time so that soil that that ecosystem that tie, all that's out there all these ditches and you know marginal places that could be, could be you know have switchgrass or some kind of native grass on them and all the flowers and all the stuff that goes with it the insects that support the quail and and other small game and wildlife I can see it all happening, but it's, it takes a little bit of time to educate people and to, and to get that started. I know it has to be hard for families when they struggle between telling their children to go to the university and get a good education because they know that probably is going to lead to them taking a job somewhere else. They might go to St. Louis or Kansas City or Dallas or Denver. It's really a double-edged sword. One thing that I know Rudy Raceline and all of us associated with Horizon 2 are very proud of is the fact that we're creating jobs in a part of the country where there aren't that many high-paying technical jobs. And we have a number of young men who are working on the farms now that say, if not for this job, I would have had to go to a, a bigger city or somewhere else to find this level of employment. I think it's a, a, yeah. a huge point of pride. How important is that to these communities? Well, I think that's, I think that's huge because uh, like you say, you're, you're some of your more gifted kids that go off and get, get educated and get a good job. Once in a while, those jobs bring them back here and, and they, they, that's great when that happens. But like you say, a lot of times it's not right, right back at home. And, I think when you when when one of these jobs, one of these opportunities comes along that like Raceline has, has provided, that you combine that with the ingenuity and the know-how and the just independence of the type of folks that live in in our part of the country, the potential for that is is amazing because it isn't just that job. Those guys, those folks will figure out how to make that work beyond just that job for them. They'll that it, it, it snowballs, you know, and so I think it could be really a lifeline for rural North Missouri and Southern Iowa, you know, kind of the same thing. And has so much more to do with life and not just work. Right. We have a couple of guys that are on their local school boards, you know, mm-hmm. otherwise they wouldn't be serving on school boards in the community that they didn't grow up in. Likely it's this right. ability to stay home stay on the family farm, stay connected to their roots, raise their children where they want to raise their children. And people think about that dream all the time, and it seems so simple. But it's not simple if there's not work. You know, we recently filmed an episode of Prairie Prophets TV where we went out to Oklahoma into Mm -hmm. the Panhandle and explored the history of the Dust Bowl and how that occurred and 
why it's not crazy to think something similar could happen again. I mean, if you, well, get, that's exactly right. if you get the right environmental conditions of a, a severe drought and you have soil that's not covered, if you have bare ground out there with dry dirt and high winds, farmers are going to lose that soil. Can you talk at all about agricultural practices and how you've seen them change in the area over the last 35, 40 years? Well, I think the biggest change here, and, and again, going back to my my background, so I, I might see it from a little bit different lens, but, you know, I, I came here in the 80s, and there were guys that would, could go out and, and hunt and kill a limited quail and be at work by 10 o'clock. And you had all these fence rows, you had smaller, you know, just progressively it's gotten bigger and bigger farms. Well, when that happens, fence rows go out, some of that marginal ground also goes out. And we've also changed a lot to where to get the production that, we, that you have to have to make it on the margins that everybody's working with. They've had to use a lot more chemicals, insecticides, and herbicides, which, you know, are, are not bad in and of themselves. But on a big scale, uh, when it starts to impact insects or like brood habitat for turkeys and things like that, then it, it affects everybody. It's not just it's not just the farmer out there doing his thing. And so I've seen those changes come in bigger and bigger and bigger equipment. Harder for a guy to get in, harder for a young farmer family. You know, I can remember uh, an organization here when we were first here called uh, Young Farmers. And there were several young farm families and, you know, they'd have, it's kind of like FFA. We'd have meetings once in a while and get togethers. (laughs) I don't know what the average age is of the uh, farmer in North Missouri now, but it's got to have progressed upward a little bit. And so I I think with what, what Raceline is doing, Hopefully that will reduce that trend as well. Yeah, I, w- I wish I could give you the exact statistic, but I know it's over 50 years old. I know yeah. the, the average farmer is now over 50 years old, which I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm going to skew that. I'm, I'm definitely going to be a data point. I'm, I'm getting ready to move into my new home. It's 40 acres. I feel like the guy who, who shot a, a decent eight-pointer and is going to put the picture on Facebook and say, it's not that big, but it's... I'm proud of it, you know, and I'm always the guy being like, well, don't say that. It's a beautiful deer. And now, no, I, and now I'm like, well, I'm, I'm only moving on to 40 acres. And like, people are like, only 40 acres. You know, if I'm talking to somebody in Columbia or somebody back where I grew up, they're like, 40 acres, that's the size of Yellowstone, right? And I'm like, no, it's just <laughs> exactly. sm- compared yeah. to the people around me, it's just a small little patch of dirt, but yeah. it's mine. And I cannot wait to figure out how to improve it which i'm gonna plant 15 acres of prairie this winter um i've already dug a lake i'm gonna take out a lot of the thorny locusts and and plant trees that are more desirable you know and then i want to continue having some row crop mostly because i want to feed the deer but i'd love i'd love to figure out a specialty crop that i can get into and when i think about that i'm already thinking about how to diversify my land and, mm-hmm. and that's what this is about. That's what Horizon 2 does. It, it diversifies not only the landscape, but the income potential of that landscape for the farmers and landowners. So if you have what we call marginal acres, acres that are not best suited for row crop, steep hillsides, any riparian areas, prone to floods, 
you know, mm-hmm. you can plant prairie there now and consider it a cash crop as we take it as a feedstock for renewable energy. It's going to be pretty cool. It really is. And I, I, I love what you guys are doing. Uh, I'm going to put three acres in myself behind the house uh, of, uh, actually, I'm going to try to do it through the butterfly habitat. Oh, uh, the bee and butterfly fun? Bee and butterfly fun. That, that's oh. what I'm, I just didn't have it quite ready last year. And so, you know, broke down tractor and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, it's, there's nothing like it. And I think folks that are live close to the land and, you know, it's, it's gotta be ec- economically, it's gotta be something that makes a little bit of sense economically for them. If, you know, we can't expect them to do something along a, a Creek or a, a hillside or something. If it, if it costs them money at this point, but this is the opposite. And so I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a neat deal. Well, that's a great point. The economics of it has to pencil out. And, you know, with our Horizon 2 grant, that's what we're working through right now. We've got, uh, we've got the funding to be able to, to work on a five-year timeline, 40,000 acres of cover crops, 40,000 acres of prairie. And we have the opportunity to prove that this can and does work. Farmers are already stretched thin. We know the bottom line is tough to make. And asking a farmer to take you know, prime row crop acreage out of corn and soybean production and putting it into grasses again, that's just not going to happen. No. But there are places on farms where you're likely losing money on planting corn and soybeans, and that's where this alternative, hence the name Raceline Alternative Energy, can come into play. I don't think there's any question about it. You know, and we've seen what can happen if you have a – if you make an effort, you have a program, and we decide like like we did with wetlands. Wetlands years ago with, with Ducks Unlimited and the federal government and, and different programs, we decided we're going to protect some of that stuff, and we've done that. But we've never nearly done it with grasslands or with some of this marginal land that, that where we really need it for like grassland birds and some of the things that we see really declining. So I think it has... I think it has a ripple effect for our wildlife, for our rural communities, for our farmers making a little bit of money on, instead of losing money on that marginal ground, actually making money and providing some habitat at the same time. There's just, there's just no downside to it for me. I agree with you. I like hearing that from a presiding commissioner, even though I didn't know exactly (laughs) what that was until a little bit ago. I always knew how important you were, Kyle. If you run for commissioner, run for a regular commissioner position and skip that part of it. (laughs) Now, before we run out of time, we got to talk about something really important. All right. How was your deer season? You know, uh, I killed a a doe early. The very first deer that came by me that was in range, I shot and killed it, made a clean kill, got it in the freezer, been enjoying it. And I've kind of struggled ever since, but it's been great. I mean, I don't remember a deer season with this many windless or very low wind days that were just beautiful to be in the woods, whether you killed a deer or not. I've seen a lot of deer. Just I've had a great deer season. I don't have a I don't have a deer yet or a buck, but man, I tell you, I've enjoyed it. That's a great perspective. You know, I hadn't thought about that. We've complained about the weather being too warm up in right. to the yeah. firearm season. However, with the warmth came comfort. It wasn't so bad being out there, not freezing. 
And the wind has laid pretty low throughout most of the season. It's, it's been beautiful. I was able to take a, a beautiful buck. You know, when I grew up, if you could hang a ring on it, it was a point. Uh, that's it's right. It's got to be about an inch long. So right. uh, I killed a 12-pointer this year, and, and that has eluded me my whole life. I've, you know, I've always wanted a 12-pointer. It, it, when I was real young, I was at a farm, and a guy brought in a 12-pointer, and it might as well have been, you know, like a, <laughs> like a magical yeah. creature oh, from another world had shown right. up. And for 30 years, I've wanted a 12-pointer, and I got one. My daughter, my youngest daughter, Annabelle, was with me when I did that. And we were actually set up to get her first deer overlooking a field that would have given a 50 to 100 yard shot, which I was real comfortable for her. Um, Mm -hmm. She's 17 years old. It's not like she's a little kid, but this would be her first deer. And, And this boy made the mistake of stepping out about 300 yards away. I put a nice stalk on him, got to about 150 and people are like, well, why would you do that? You're shooting a rifle. You could have easily shot him from 300. But when I grew up in Indiana, it was shotguns and muzzleloaders only. There was no right. rifles. And there's just nothing in me that wants to shoot an animal from that far away. I'm not, I'm not, I, com- I'm, same way. I'm not yeah. comfortable with it. I don't enjoy it. I want right. to be closer. And uh, I got yeah. as close as I could where I could get a solid rest. And, and again, yeah, yeah he, he, I don't think he ever knew what hit him. So. It is wow. a great deer. I saw a picture. So, I mean, that's, a, that's great. And, uh, I know exactly what you mean about the point. I, I was looking at a deer with binoculars. This deer is a nice adult buck. I probably score, I don't know, 120 or something. He wasn't legal. He's only got three on each side. And I was trying to make a point out of one little bump down by his base. <laughs> See if I could hang a ring with binoculars, you know? Yeah. He was a great deer, but he was an oddball, you know. I have a deer on my property. We call him the Big Six. He's been around for at least five years, and he's a giant six-pointer. I mean, mass like a Coke can, and it's just he's three on both sides, but he's got this really long, I mean, really long main beam on the right-hand side. He steps out, and you're like, oh, and then you're like, oh, but... Now it's become a thing that I just want him to live forever. I don't want him to go. And people are like, well, that'd be a great youth youth deer. And I'm like, you know, I kind of just like having yeah. them around. It, it it in a way it like shows me that they can survive year to year to year. Yeah. And you know, that guy he won the lottery when he didn't grow a fourth point on either side. Yeah, it's a good disguise. You know, is what, <laughs> is what it is. But, no, I, I enjoyed my deer season a lot. I, I'm not quite done. I probably will go with a muzzleloader late. You know, I, I learned a lot. I didn't kill a deer, but I don't know. I just think I'm just barely getting the hang of it now after hunting them for 40 years, you know, or 50 years, however long it's been. It's just uh, they're incredible creature, and you just learn something every year. You should, anyway. It's, it's an amazing experience, and it's an American tradition. And I'm proud that we live in a place where it's so embraced. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially Missouri, Iowa, great. It's uh, and it's you're know, kind of living in the glory days of it. You know, if you think about white-tailed deer, so uh, I'd say get out there and enjoy it. We absolutely are. These are the good old days. All right, Kyle. Thank you very much for joining us. Have a wonderful day up there in DeKalb County. Keep doing what you're doing, man. We appreciate you. Hey, you too. Talk to you later. Thanks. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Prairie Prophets podcast with host Brandon Butler.